Hi, I'm Andy McDonald, Senior Pastor of Whole Life Church here in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational congregation, a faith community committed to our mission to love people into lifelong friendship with God. And we're committed to our vision to be a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Welcome to Whole Life Church. While you're watching this, uh, most of our congregation, hopefully, is at Mead Gardens for outdoor church. Uh, if the weather would cooperate, we'd just build a nice amphitheater in the retention pond and always have church out of doors. It's hard to beat. Of course, while this might be fun this time of year, no one would attend in August. I find it sort of fascinating, especially in 2020, to think about whose word do we trust? I used to think, growing up, that Walter Cronkite, Chet Huntley, and David Brinkley were newscasters worthy of my trust. What news source do we trust today? There was a time when it felt sort of okay to trust our political leaders, but we've all reduced our level of trust in 2020. And what about experts? Certainly we can trust the experts. But then we hear the experts contradict themselves and we lose some trust there. Some feel safe trusting scientists, but then being true to their science, they make a new scientific discovery that blows their old scientific conclusions out of the water. And the result of too much broken or disappointed or mistaken trust turns us a little skeptical. I want to remind you in the story of the first advent, when Jesus came to our earth, and in the promise of the second advent, when Jesus will return, that there is a place we can trust while we wait. The prophet Daniel, from whom we learned a few weeks ago, that we, what we can do while we wait, we can pray with greater intentionality and with a commitment to pray. While Daniel was waiting for the 70 years of captivity to end, he trusted in the writings of Jeremiah the prophet. He knew when the captivity had begun, and he trusted God's word through Jeremiah that their captivity would last for 70 years. By his best calculations, he realized that they were only three or four years away from returning to Jerusalem. But then he was concerned. Would it really happen? I imagine he put on the side of trusting that, that the reality that the foretold captivity had actually occurred built confidence that the time prophecy would come true for them to go back to Jerusalem. Until he read about the reasons for the captivity. If he could trust God's word that the captivity happened because of the people turning away from God and not trusting God and not confessing their sins... So Daniel prayed, he pleaded, he petitioned with God. Daniel wanted things right between him and God and between his people of Israel and God. So he confessed, we have sinned and done wrong. We've been wicked and, and we have rebelled. We have turned from your commands, Lord, and your laws. We have not listened to your prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Daniel owns the reality that they deserved the captivity. Finally, Daniel prays, telling God that for God's sake, restore the city that bears his name. It is in the end a very unselfish prayer. We do not request of you, O Lord, because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, listen. 
O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear and act for your sake. While Daniel is praying, Gabriel shows up and reveals to him a prophecy that creates a great specificity of when Messiah will come. And when we, when we decipher that prophecy, we discover that it runs from the command to rebuild Jerusalem all the way to the coming of the Messiah, to the sacrifice of Messiah, and the destruction of Jerusalem. A prophecy of hope and desolation. But ultimate hope, because the anointed one will confirm the covenant when he comes. Waiting for the first advent would have been so much more productive had the people studied the scripture and trusted his word. There was ample information to be ready for Jesus' first coming, born of a virgin near the end of the prophecy of Daniel 9, birth in Bethlehem in the line of David, testified to by Anna and Simeon, angels singing to shepherds on the night of his birth. But at least part of the chosen people uh, missing the arrival and ministry and belief in Messiah Jesus the Christ because of their failure to trust God's word while they waited. Instead, Satan was successful in getting the chosen people of God to rely on themselves, to imagine themselves to be just a little bit better than others because they had the truth. But instead of digging into the truth, they aggrandized themselves, and they they brought into the demonic principle uh, that we humans can save ourselves by our own works. The first advent of our Savior was missed by the vast majority of those commissioned to trumpet his arrival because of a failure to trust God's word. Self-interest, self-reliance, self-trust stole the place of trusting God's word. So even though they missed by many, Jesus came. God incarnate. Born of a woman, born under sin to redeem those under sin and bring them out free in him to be united with God. The plan, risky and yet picture perfect and unequivocally clear in its countering of Satan's claim that God was totally selfish. Jesus demonstrates in his incarnation, life, death and resurrection and ascension that rather than selfish, God is self-giving, self-sacrificing, and generous beyond belief. For the next month, we will celebrate the first Advent. It's the happiest time of the year because Jesus came and reversed our destiny. Jesus came and showed us how off our, our perceptions were of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The cross and the celebration of the resurrection are grand, But the condescension of God in the incarnation, wow. For God to become man, for Jesus to open the circle of the Trinity to the creation, to the human. Wow, Christmas is amazing. And now with annual celebrations of the first advent, with all the stories of Mary and Joseph and the manger and the temple visits, the carpenter shop in Nazareth, all the miracles and parables and healings, the first advent is a reality that we have strong evidence for and in which we choose to believe. We trust God's word. It was the night before the crucifixion that Jesus made explicitly clear a teaching of his word that we can choose to trust while we wait for his second advent. Jesus knew what was on the horizon. He knew that in just hours, all of his disciples would run. Peter would deny him. 
He knew they would be overwhelmed by their loss of him in less than 24 hours before he, after he said these words, he would be lying in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. What would be most helpful for his disciples to hear? He tried to warn them, uh, warn them before of tough times that were coming, but what foundational truth should he share this evening in which they could put their trust when the bottom would drop out? What word best prepares them for facing hard times? Well, the words Jesus shared that night are words that gave them hope. It challenged them, but gave them hope. And when we trust God's words, they still give us hope today. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. There it is. Just four words. Four words that are a promise to which we cling. Jesus said it. When we are looking at everything Jesus said, and, and it was all true, it, it happened, it, it started, it stopped at his word, disease fled, eyes opened, crutches were thrown away, the dead came back to life at his word. Jesus is true and kind and good, and he said these four words, I will come again. He continues, and where I go, you know, and the, and the way you know. And Thomas obviously didn't get it. Uh, He questioned, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus' reply is part of God's word we can trust while we wait. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Later writers of the New Testament will talk about our ability to be one with God, to be part of his kingdom as a gift we receive. There will be clear teaching that we can't climb or work or achieve or buy our way to the Father. Access is something that is provided for us in Jesus Christ. All of our hope is in him. While we wait, we can trust his word. That same night, Jesus said that he was the vine and we are the branches. The branch can do nothing except abide in the vine. We can do nothing except as we abide in the vine. And when we do, the life of Jesus, the life of the vine, flows through the branch and bears fruit. Abiding in Jesus, trusting God's word, means constant surrender to Jesus and his service. And the strength and the character of the vine flow into the branch that abides in that vine. Jesus says, the Father is glorified when we bear much fruit, but we bear fruit not by straining and stressing and attempting to produce it. We bear the fruit the Father desires by abiding, clinging, resting in Jesus, and then his love flows in and through us, and we can love because he first loved us. We go about our life in our circle of influence, loving people. We, we hope to love them so well that they will want to abide in the vine too, anchored in a lifelong friendship with God. That same night that he said, I will come again, he also said, by this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Think about us as a church. From various corners of our country, from corners of other countries around the world, some with little formal schooling, others with advanced degrees. 
Various languages are spoken here. Multiple ethnicities worship together. Opposite political positions share seats in the worship center. Different ways of seeing scripture. All socioeconomic levels. Singles, married, with children, without children, young and old, different skin colors. There is no single thing but the love of Jesus that pulls us together. And nothing holds us together but the love of Jesus. And that unity of love is a huge testimony to the world of the love of Jesus in us. Jesus' words are ones that we can trust while we wait. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We can trust that word. Love your enemies. That's trustworthy. Do good to those who persecute you. Go the extra mile. Listen to my teaching and follow it and be like the house on the rock. Be the light of the world. Illumine that which might be hidden in the dark and bring it out into the light. Be salt. Preserve, purify, add zest to life. Give yourself away in service. Don't worry. Ask and you will receive. All this and so much more. While we wait, we trust in God's word. It may get harder. He said, I will come again, but we find ourselves still waiting. In 2 Peter 3, he writes about a temptation to ask after all this waiting, where is this coming he promised? Everything just keeps rocking along. How can we be so sure? Peter writes, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. It will be a surprise. So as we step into this Advent season, as we remember and recall, sing about and read the stories of the first Advent, Let's remind ourselves that it happened right on time. When the fullness of time was come, God sent Jesus. God's word can be trusted. And now as we wait, God's word can still be trusted. Let's adopt God's thinking and be patient with our world, not wanting anyone to miss it, but for everyone to come to and admit their own failures and accept the undeserved, unearned gift of Jesus' reconciliation. And while we wait, let's trust God's word and love as he loved us. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. All focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church podcast. 
and plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.